sure appreciate that. Second Timothy chapter number one. Second Timothy chapter number one uh, is where we're going to be at this morning. While you're turning there, if you're physically able to, would you stand with me out of respect for the Word of God? Second uh, Timothy chapter number one. As you're finding your place there, Second Timothy chapter number one. We have been preaching on Sunday mornings on the topic of faith. Uh, we talked about uh, first message of the year was faith that moves mountains. And we talked about that a little bit. Then we talked about our attitude of faith. And we spoke on the life of Joseph and uh, his attitude uh, towards faith. And then we had believing faith. And we talked about Jacob and how Jacob believed uh, that God was going to give him that blessing. But he had to get real with God about it. And we talked about courageous faith, and we talked about Abraham and Isaac last week, and uh, spoke about how Isaac had enough faith in his dad to trust his dad's walk with God, and Abraham had enough faith in God to live it out in front of his son, and uh, what a blessing that is. But we're going to be here in uh, 2 Timothy, chapter number 1 today, and uh, starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee to remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And as I was reading this, I was reminded about Timothy this morning, but he said that God hath not given us a spirit of fear. And Paul reminded me, he said, I've called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. And if you look up the definition of unfeigned faith, it means a faith that is without hypocrisy. A faith that is a real faith. That kind of faith that's unwavering. The kind of faith that doesn't change. The kind of faith that's fearless. It's a fearless type faith. And we're going to preach that message to you this morning entitled Fearless Faith. And we'll talk about that today. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truth of it. Lord, as we go to the word this morning, I want to ask you first, would you create in us a clean heart? Would you renew a right spirit within us? Lord, as I stand behind this sacred desk with this holy book open in front of me this morning, God, I pray that you'll not not allow me to say anything in and of my own flesh, but Lord, I'll follow after your spirit. Holy Spirit of God, we ask you this morning to bind Satan and the devils of hell from this building. We claim the blood of Christ that they not be allowed to hinder the word of God from going to anyone's hearts today. Lord, if there's anyone in our midst that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. Lord, I pray that as we go through your word this morning that you'll change us. Lord, as we think of the topic of faith this morning, that you'll increase our faith. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all your many blessings. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory already for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. As I was praying about what God would have me to preach this morning, my mind went to Timothy. In this time in his life, Timothy was in a very discouraging time in his life. 
Nero, that bloodthirsty ruler of the day, was out trying to destroy God's children. He was trying to destroy the church, making examples of them. Anyone who would try to proclaim the name of the Lord, they were executed, sometimes in a coliseum, sometimes uh, burned at the stake, sometimes uh, there was different methods that he chose, but he was a very brutal person. And Timothy, being the pastor of the church at Ephesus in this time, was a very vocal voice for the Lord. He was one that was proclaiming the name of the Lord. We know he was the preacher boy of the Apostle Paul. He was one that learned from the Apostle Paul. And by Paul's example, Paul had boldness. Uh, He was willing to preach the word of God without fear of death, without fear of imprisonment without fear of being abused if you read through the the book of acts all that uh paul had gone through he was stoned and left for dead he got shipwrecked all those different things bit by a viper all kinds of different things that happened to paul um he was beaten thrown in prison many occasions all different things that paul went through and timothy had learned from paul's experiences but timothy was flesh just like you and are uh, you and i are and timothy was in a time of discouragement he was in a time of of fear in his life. He had physical fear of what might happen to him if he was caught. And Paul is in prison and writing to Timothy, telling Timothy, listen, I want to encourage you to have fearless faith and stand up for the things you know is right. And he begins to talk to Timothy in this portion of Scripture. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He's bringing to his mind who's on Timothy's side, first of all. When he's starting out this message, he's saying to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, or the one that I'm mentoring in the faith, that one that I've seen grow in the faith, he's saying grace, mercy, and peace. From God be unto you. He's telling him grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. You know what he said? First off, Timothy, remember God's with you. Second off, I'm praying for you. That's what he tells him. I'm praying for you. In my mind, I want you to know, and in my heart, I want you to know that I call you out to God night and day. I call you out to the Lord and I lift you up before him. And he's trying to encourage Timothy in this discouraging time. And we can learn a very valuable lesson in all of this. That when we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are living in fear, guess what? They need our prayers. And they need to know that God's on their side. They need to know that God's with them. And even though the storms around them seem kind of big, that God's bigger than their storms. And they need to remember those things. And Paul is telling him, about all of this reminding him and he says i thank god whom i serve he said in my prayers night and day verse four greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears you see what he said being mindful of thy tears i know you have a broken heart i know there's some things going on i'm mindful of all that he said that i may be filled with joy when i call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee He said, you know what really brings me encouragement, Timothy, is that I know that the faith that's inside of you is not a hypocritical faith. It's a faith that's unwavering. It's a faith that not only have you had, but it's passed down to you from your grandmother Lois and and thy mother Eunice. He said, and I'm persuaded that's in thee also. Well, how could he have been persuaded by that? Was Timothy's lifestyle must have proved that he had faith. Because he said, I'm persuaded that this faith is in thee also. And then he tells him, 
Verse 6, wherefore I put thee to remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's telling him here, he's saying, I'm bringing to your remembrance a few things. First off, I'm bringing to remembrance the faith that's inside of you. It may be stagnant right now, but I want you to learn. You, I want to call to remembrance that you stir up that gift that's inside of you. That gift of the Holy Spirit of God that you got the day that you got saved. That you've known the Holy Scriptures. You've lived in the, the things. You, you've seen what faith can do through your grandmother and through your mother. And I've seen it in your life. He said, I want to call to your remembrance this faith that's inside of you. And I want to stir it up inside of you. I want you to stir it up and get the power of God behind you. Because when you have the power of God and you realize who God is, that fear goes away. And that's what he's telling him. And there's some things that we need to understand in our life today on why we shouldn't fear. How can we have a fearless type faith? Because I'm telling you what, the world doesn't want us to preach about the Lord. The world doesn't want us to loudly proclaim the name of God. It doesn't want us to stand and open up this King James Bible and preach, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't want us to tell you to keep on pressing on for God. They don't want us to say, uh, fight a good fight, finish your course, keep the faith. They don't want us to say all of that. Why? Because the world, because of their father, the devil, wants God to be put on the back burner. We need to continue in faith, pressing on for God. But guess what? Sometimes we get fearful. Sometimes we worry about what might happen to us. Sometimes we get in our mind, well, what's going to happen if I preach on, on sin? What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. God's going to rejoice because people are hearing truth. People are hearing truth. And it's the truth that sets men free. The Bible says, for ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make them free. Well, what is the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. But by me. First thing I want you to see this morning, why should we not fear? Because God is our Savior. God is our Savior. That's why we ought not to fear. You know what? People, there's many people that are fearful whether they're going to go to heaven or not. There's many people living in this kind of fear that, well, I wonder if my good outweighs my bad, or I wonder if, I'm, uh, if I've done enough good things that God's going to show me favor and allow me into heaven, and I wonder uh, what's going to happen, and maybe uh, I've given enough to the church that uh, God's going to bless me, or maybe in other religions they say, well, I've sacrificed my, if I sacrifice myself, maybe that'll find favor with uh, my God, or whatever it is, or if I worship this golden image or this statue. No, the Bible says there's only one way for you to get to God, and that's through Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for you his death burial and resurrection that's the gospel and we don't have to fear today of what hell might bring because of what Jesus Christ has done he was the propitiation for our sin but not for ours only but the sin of the whole world and when we come to the place and we realize first off that we are sinners and deserving of hell and the Bible said the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I was speaking with somebody this week who had a very uh, valid question. They asked this question said, well, if Jesus died on the cross, then why do we suffer? If he died because of sin, why do we suffer? And let me explain to you, Jesus died for our eternal uh, home in heaven. What that means is he covered our sins on the cross that, that stop us from going to heaven. That, that, that is all in, in God's, uh, under God's blood. But I'll tell you what, there's still consequences for sin. See, when Jesus died on the cross, that was for our eternal punishment. And when we by faith received Jesus Christ as our Savior, he said that we've been adopted into the family of God and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise and that by faith we are saved. 
But once we're saved, that does not alleviate what sin really does. But we don't have to fear because of what hell might bring because of salvation through Jesus Christ. See, it's through the Lord Jesus, and we don't have to be afraid today because God is our Savior. He's our Savior. You know what, Brother Eddie? I can rejoice and shout the rooftop off because I don't have to spend one second in that awful place called hell. And you know what? If you're saved in this room today, it ought to bring a, a, a smile to your face and a joy in your heart and a spring in your step. I don't care. You say, well, preacher, I'm old. I haven't had a spring in my step in a long time. But guess what? Salvation ought to bring a spring in your step because you're on your way to heaven, praise the Lord. You don't have to die for one second that eternal damnation in hell that sin earns because of the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to us. And if we would get more excited about that, maybe more people would want to be saved. Listen, we're on our way to heaven because of Jesus. We don't have to be afraid. God is our Savior. And He died for the sins of the whole world. And I'm glad for that. You know what? He died for every ethnicity. He died for those little white lies. You know what? There's no such thing as a little white lie. You understand that? The Bible says lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. We try to categorize sin. But Jesus Christ had to die because of sin. As a whole. He didn't have to die for more important sins than other sins. The fact of the matter is, all sin is abominable to God. And because of that, sin separated us from fellowship with God. And we're just like Adam, just like Eve. I was talking to Brother Eddie and them in class this morning, how we're good at blaming other people for our actions. And when we do things wrong and we get confronted by that, we're good at pointing the finger and saying, well, they, they did this, just like Adam said. You see, Adam blamed two people. He said, it's the wife you gave me, God. You know what he said? God, it's your fault. You gave her to me, and then she did this. Look, so he blamed two people. And then when he goes to Eve, Eve said, it was the serpent. You know, Satan was the only one that had enough guts to stand up for what he did. He didn't blame anybody else. But the fact is, you can't ever be saved until you come to the realization that you just admit that you're a sinner. You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to admit that your sin was sending you to hell. You have to admit that because of that sin, we deserve that eternal punishment in hell, but because of God's love. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while he were yet, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection because he rose from the grave conquering death and hell. That Romans 10, 9 and 10 are in the Bible. That, with, uh, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Listen, you can have salvation and be uh, free of fear of hell today. If you just trust Jesus as your savior. And if you are saved, I call to remembrance this morning. That salvation that you gained when you trusted Jesus as your Savior. And you don't have to live in fear. Why? You can have a fearless type faith, first off, because God is our Savior. Second off, you, you don't have to fear because God is our shield. God is our shield. In Ephesians, I want you to turn there if you would, please. Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and look what he's saying in, in verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Again, reminding them where their strength comes from. 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye are able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Listen, we don't have to fear today because God is our shield. It talks about that shield of faith. Not only is he our salvation, but God is our shield. I want you to take your Bibles quickly to Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter number 15. God's reminding Abraham in this passage of Scripture that he's his shield. Look what it says in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So, Brother Guy, what's it mean to put on the shield of faith? What's it mean to have that shield of faith wherewith we're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one? Oh, I know, it's in our own strength, in our own abilities, in our own powers, right? No, he tells the church at Ephesus, he said, put on the whole armor of God. He reminds them the power is from the Lord. He reminds them that that shield and the armor that they place on themselves is not just man-made armor. It's not a physical type armor that they place on themselves. It is the armor that is a spiritual armor that equips them for battle. And God gives us that. He is our shield to help us quench the fiery darts of the wicked. What is it that helps us uh, to overcome these darts that Satan shoots at us? I'll tell you what, it's that shield of faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. Having a relationship with him. You know what he said? I'm the shield. I am thy shield. There's many verses we could look at to understand that he's our shield. But I'll tell you what, whenever I'm in a battle, I'll tell you what, I want a shield. When I was a police officer, uh, I happened to be one of the biggest ones on our shift. And I know that's a shock to most of you. Uh, but I was one of the biggest guys there. So, brother, uh, guy, my job was to carry the shield whenever we had to go into a really hard situation. The problem with that is most of my guys on my shift got to carry AR-15s, you know, because they all walk in there like that. I had to carry a shield and a pistol, you know. So I'm thinking, man, here I am with a shield and a pistol, and I'm the first one in the door. How is that fair? You know, uh, if you have a barricaded subject, who gets to go in first? The guy with the shield, right? That's me. Thanks. So who's getting shot first? Me. All right? So I was, I was thinking, but, but you know what? I had, I had some security behind me. Why? Because I had that shield. That shield was designed to protect me from an enemy's attack. And God has said that he is there to help us when that enemy shoots his fiery darts at us. He is our shield. Why is it that we turn to Facebook and we turn to all of our friends when Satan's trying to attack us rather than turning to God? God is our shield. Guess what? Yes, we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are going to help us along the way if they're doing the right thing. But they're not the first person we need to turn to. By the way, when you're going through a hard time, Pastor Caldwell's not the first person you need to call out to. The first person you need to call out to is God. He's your shield. Pastor, what am I supposed to do? And guess what I'm going to tell you? Call God. 
And you say, well, you're, you're trying to cop out from helping me. No, if you haven't asked God for help, I can't help you. The fact of the matter is, God is our shield. And when Satan shoots his fiery darts at us, guess what? We need to turn to the one who can stop him. But he tells us to put it on. So what's that mean? How do we put on a shield of faith? As we get into his word. We begin to meditate upon the scriptures. We go to the word of God and we follow God's leading in our life. God is our shield. He's our salvation. Listen, we have a lot to to rejoice over today. When Paul was telling Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. You know why? Because God's not afraid of Satan. You understand that? Do you understand Satan has to obey the very words of God? You remember the life of Job? He said, all that Job hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. Brother Eddie, why didn't Satan disobey? Why didn't he say, I don't care what God says. I'm going to go after Job. Because the whole time he said, hast thou considered my servant Job? For there's none like him in all the land. One that feareth God and escheweth evil. He said, yeah, but you place a hedge about Job. And about all that he hath on every side. And I can't get to him. Listen, we're afraid of the devil. But guess what? We don't have to be in fear when God is on our side. Because Satan trembles at the very word of God. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, how do you resist him with the word of God? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And he tells us to put on this armor. And guess what? This, this shield of faith. But I was thinking about that in Job's life when he says, don't touch Job. Satan didn't touch him. He couldn't touch him. Then I thought, wait a second, why did he go after Job's wife? Why did he just go after Job's kids? Brother, that is a good principle that a husband and wife are one flesh. Because when he said, don't touch Job, it also meant Job's wife. Because they're the same, together. What a blessing, huh? What a good lesson you can learn from that. But the fact is, Satan couldn't do it. Why? Because God told him not to. And then my mind was thinking about uh, that maniac of the Gadarenes when Jesus walked on the scene. And they said, torment me not. And they said, but command us, let us go into the swine. And he says, okay, come out of him and go into the swine. Guess what they did? They immediately obeyed. Immediately obeyed. Then God, in his sense of humor, set the swine down, drowned the swine, and did all of that stuff just to show that, listen, Satan has no power over him. Listen, why do we fear the devil when God is on our side? I'll tell you why we fear, because we're not walking in the protection of the shield of faith. God had not given us a spirit of fear. You know where the fear comes from? When we're walking in Satan's kingdom, that we're out of place as a believer in Christ. We're on his stomping ground, and it's difficult for us to succeed when we're in his atmosphere. But guess what? When we're in God's atmosphere, Satan's no match for us because we have that shield that protects us. He said, I'm thy shield. Listen, God wants to be there for you to help you along the way, to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. The reason those fiery darts hit us, I'll tell you why, we're not hiding behind the shield. We're not hiding behind the shield. God is our shield. God's also our sustainer. He gives us what he needs. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
All of these things have to do with sustenance, spiritual food, the green grasses and the still waters where we can find strength to climb up the mountains. God is our sustainer. We wonder why we go through valleys sometimes. Did you understand it's in the valleys is where you gain strength? It's in the valleys where you get your food. It's in the valleys where he gives you the green grasses and the still waters to help you to climb that mountain that's in front of you. We always beg God. Listen, it says if we have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, we could say into the mountain, remove thyself, and it'll remove to yonder place, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. But instead of us always asking God to move the mountains, maybe we just also ask God to give us the strength to climb the mountain. God's saying if we just have that much faith, we could tell the mountain to get out of the way. But you know what else we could do is we could climb the mountain. God give us strength to do it. He's our sustainer. He gives us what we need. He says, I will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You notice, I think oftentimes we mistake our wants for our needs. We say, God, I want this or I want that. God said, I didn't say I'd give you all your wants. I said, I'll supply all your needs. I'll supply all your needs. Everybody in this room this morning, I don't care where you think you are in this financial world. The fact of the matter is God has been good to you and given you a lot of things that we are undeserving of. The fact that you live in the greatest land in all of the world ought to give you an opportunity. The poorest in America is rich in this world. You understand that? We're rich in this world. And we may not have everything that we see, all the glamour and all the things that are out there, but every one of us have food in our belly. Every one of us have clothes on our back. Every one of us have shoes on our feet. Every one of us got here by a mode of transportation other than our feet. We came in a vehicle this morning. Except us, Carter, we walked to church, didn't we? Y'all pray for us. I'm 40 now, and I had to walk to church. Isn't that a, a sad thing? People were making fun of me, saying they were going to give me a walker and all this stuff to come up on the... I would borrow Brother Chips, because he's going to be old, too, so praise the Lord for that. But the fact is, we have a lot to be grateful for. And we don't have to fear. Why? Because God's our salvation. We don't have to fear. Why? Because God is our shield. We don't have to fear. Why? Because God is our sustainer. He gives us what we need. He supplies all of our needs. We don't have to fear because of it. I want you to look at Psalm 118, if you would, please. Psalm 118. So he's our shield, doesn't, isn't he? The Bible said that. The Lord's our shield. Look what it says here in Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord is on our side. You understand we don't have to fear. Why? Because God is on our side. He said, we don't have to fear what man shall do to us you know why the apostle paul could do all the things that he did because he realized where strength came from and he realized who was on his side and when he's writing to timothy he's telling timothy the whole thing he said let me remind you something grace mercy and peace be unto you by god and christ jesus he said, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which was in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I know, and I am persuaded it is in thee also. 
He's reminding him that stir up the gift of God that's in you, that power that comes from the inside that only is produced by the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. He's saying, Paul this Tim- or Timothy, this fight is not on the outside. This is a spiritual battle that you're facing with fear. And you don't have to fear because God's on your side. God's on your side. You understand, if you're his child, who better to run to than the Father when you're in trouble? You know what? I know how I would be as a dad if my kids came running screaming, Daddy, help me, Daddy, help me. Guess what? I'm in fight mode. Why? Because I want to protect those kids. And I'll do whatever I've got to do to protect my family. Why? Because I love them, but they know where to come if they're really afraid. The Bible says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Why can we trust in God? Because he's on our side. He's on our side. He said, we shall not fear what man shall do to us. Look at Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Verse 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Look what he says, I will strengthen thee. I will strengthen thee. Listen, we don't have to fear today because God's our salvation. We don't have to fear today because God is our shield. We don't have to fear today because God is our sustainer. We don't have to fear today because God's on our side. We don't have to fear today because God is our strength. God is our strength. How do we gain strength to make it another day? Walking in God's strength. Walking in God's strength. Listen, there's times in our life that we are physically, emotionally, spiritually out of strength. And we try to continue on and fight a battle that is beyond us. And we wonder why we end up a casualty. We end up why we want it, because we're not resting in the strength of the Lord. He is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Resting in Jesus is where we get our strength. He said, fear thou not. Why? For I am with thee. He's on our side. He said, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You understand that God is our strength and he holds us up when we can't stand by ourselves. He holds us up when we physically don't have the strength to stay standing. God is our strength. We don't have to fear because what's stronger than God? Nothing. Nothing. God is our strength. God is our strength. We can rejoice today. Not only because God is our salvation, and God is our shield, and God is our sustainer. God is our strength, and He's on our side. But I want you to look at Philippians 4. This can go with our sustainer and helping us, but he supplies 
the things that we need, our strength, all those things. Philippians 4, verse 19. But my God shall supply all, or shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What is it that's too big for God? He said, I will supply all your needs according to what? According to your bank account? I will supply all your needs according to how much Donald Trump is worth? No. He said, I will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You understand when we get to heaven's glory, we're going to be walking on gold. Think how much precious gold is. It's a precious stone. The Bible talks about that we ought to desire the things of God more than gold, silver, and precious stone. We ought to, we ought to long for the things of God more than that. But in heaven, we're going to be walking on it. Gates of pearl, walls of jasper, street of gold. All those things are in heaven. And we're going to be walking on a street of gold just like we walk on a sidewalk here. What's too big for God to supply? Nothing. Nothing's too big. You know why he doesn't supply oftentimes? Because we don't have faith that he'll do it. If you have faith is the grain of a mustard seed. He says you can command the mountain to remove itself to yonder place. And it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. I got to thinking about God being our strength. And God is on our side. And God is our sustainer. And. He's our shield and he's our salvation and he's our supplier. He supplies all that we need when we need it, right at the time that we need it. You ever been in that position where you just didn't tell anybody but God? I was reading about George Mueller. If you don't know who that is, that missionary who had the orphanage. And he never told anybody about the needs that they had other than God. He just prayed. And God answered prayer you know why because george Mueller believed that the god he prayed to was big enough to supply the needs that he had and you know what that god is the same god that we serve today when elijah prayed and asked god to send fire down from heaven that's the same god we still serve today that god that daniel prayed to that when they threw him in a lion's den he shut the lion's mouth that same god is the same god we serve today that same god when the israelites were running away from egypt and uh, the king begins to chase them and uh, the red seas part the god who parted those red seas and supplied them in the wilderness and gave them uh, water in the desert and manna from heaven and then they get to the jordan river and he parts that one too and they walk across on that that same god still the same god we pray to today that says i will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by christ jesus you don't think god's big enough to supply for you why are you so afraid remember he used to tell the disciples why are you so fearful ye of little faith here they were in the same boat Jesus was in and the storm's coming and they're, they're afraid for their life. And they come down, they wake him up, they say, Care us not that we perish. And he says, Oh, ye of little faith. And he commands the winds and the waves. And he says, Peace be still. And it was as still as glass. The same God that can tell the wind to stop blowing and the sea to stop raging. That's the one that we serve. Why are you so fearful? Paul wrote to his preacher boy, he said, 
God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He said, you know what's going to help you overcome this battle of fear in your life? Remembering who's fighting for you. God's on your side. What God has for your life is the best thing for your life. And you just serve him to the end. That's why that apostle could stand there and say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. He said, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. But not for me only, but to all those that love his appearing. You understand there's going to come a day we stand face to face with God. And we can rejoice in the fact that we don't have to wait till we get to heaven for God to do things for us. He does it right now. Why? Because he loves us. Let me encourage you, if you're here today and you're not saved, you don't have to fear hell. You don't have to fear eternal separation from God. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for you. He paid the price for me. He paid the price for the whole world. And he said, anyone that will receive him shall be saved. What a loving God we have. When Satan shoots his fiery darts, why don't we have to fear? Because God's our shield. When things get tough, God's our sustainer. When we think we're fighting alone, he's on our side. When we don't have any strength, God is our strength. When we feel something's impossible and there's no way it'll get supplied, God's our supplier. But I want you to understand God is our superiority. He is preeminent in all things. God conquered death and gives us life. He conquered the grave. And there's none higher than God. There's none higher than God. You understand the Bible says that God's right hand spans the heavens. Scientists have said, Miss Shirley, that a man's span is from the tip of his pinky to the tip of his thumb. That means God can do this to everything. And they say that a man's span is one-tenth of the size of his body. So if you did this ten times, it would equal your height. That means that God can do this to everything. So if you think, how big is your God? How big is God? And you know what's great about our salvation is this, that in John chapter 10, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And then he says, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my father's hand. So if God, being that big, can do this to everything, and you think you can lose the salvation which he has you held in his hand, you start walking and tell me when you get to the end of God's hand. Not going to happen. That's how big our God is. And if our God's that big, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Because guess what? God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He told Timothy, don't be afraid. Nero's nothing to God. You don't have to, I'm in prison and I'm praying for you. But remember, God's on your side. God's fighting for you. God is your shield. God is your strength. God is your sustainer. God is everything that you need. He will supply your needs, Timothy. You just be faithful to God.
Stir up that gift that's inside of you. That salvation that came. Stir up what, what all comes with that. I'll tell you what comes with it. The attributes of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those things come with our salvation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit possesses those things. But they get stagnant sometimes. You know why? Because we're not stirring that gift up. How do we do it? Through a relationship with God. Let me encourage you, if you're in this room today and you're not saved, trust Jesus as your Savior. You say, well, I'll do that some other time. Life is a vapor. The Bible says it appears for a little time and vanisheth away. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Very recent thing that took place. Most everybody in this room knows who Kobe Bryant was. That basketball player. Brother Eddie, he was my age, 40, 41. Hopped in a helicopter that day to go to a basketball game and dies. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Nobody in this room is guaranteed that they're, when they pillow their head tonight or that you'll even get to pillow your head tonight. And if you die without God, you're going to open your eyes in torments in hell forever. But you know what? God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to go to heaven. That's why Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. And all you have to do is realize your condition Realize that you couldn't do it by yourself. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy had he saved us. Realize that Jesus Christ was that payment for you, that he died, was buried, and rose again, and you'll by faith receive the finished work of Christ, and you'll call upon him as your Savior. And he said, you shall be saved. That sounds kind of easy, preacher. Oh, it is for us, because he did the hard part. He did the hard part, what you and I could not do. Let me encourage you to trust him today. But if you are saved, don't live in a spirit of fear. Don't worry and fret. Why? Because God's on your side. God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The creator of all the universe that said, let there be light. And there was light. The one that said, let us make man in our image and breathed in the man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes. He's always the same, and he's with you every step of the way. With our heads bowed.